We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. Remember back to a time you did something wrong and then you did something else wrong on top of it because you didn't have your head in the game or you didn't make sure you took the right steps after you made the mistake because you were too focused on the mistake. Well, Coach Jim Johnson calls that a double error. And he works to make sure people stay away from that because that's worse than the first error. And he talks about that on part two of his episode on Seeing to Lead. Hey, everyone, it's Dr. Jones with another episode of Seeing to Lead. And it's part two with Coach Jim Johnson, where he's talking about that double error and how to stay away from it. Oftentimes, we get caught up in our own heads and we don't make sure to focus on continually moving forward, even in the face of mistakes, because after all, that's how we get better. You know, issues will come up, problems will come up, but the best way we can get through those problems is to be proactive in solving them, because they're going to be there, but if we set up systems and ways to deal with them, they don't seem quite as big or insurmountable. Coach Johnson talks about this by emphasizing the way you get better is by having an intentional growth plan. Because in your course, in your journey, you're either getting better or getting worse. There's no in-between, which is why continuous improvement and self-development is crucial to being a successful leader. This second half of his episode has so many tips and strategies that you can do with teachers, students, other leaders you're working with that you are definitely going to want to jot down and remember. Speaking of jotting down and remembering, if you like what you hear, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and give the show a rating and a review so other people can benefit just like you. So that sounds like a lot in this episode. We're talking about being proactive, offering up strategies, and the idea that you are continually growing. But don't just take my word for it. Let's listen to Coach Jim Johnson on Seeing to Lead. Let's talk about flex time in schools. The potential benefits to our students make it worth exploring. More time for personalized learning, increased choice and agency for students, and the increased engagement that comes along with it. Dedicated time for intervention. Overall, as school leaders, it gives us and our faculty more tools to increase academic achievement. But the implementation and management of flex time can be a challenge. Tricky logistics and a lack of clear accountability systems can prevent teachers from buying in and can hold us back from ensuring students make good use of their time. I'm pleased to share that MyFlex Learning provides a solution to these challenges and more. MyFlex Learning helps you create and manage flexible time for any purpose. And with seamless SIS integration, a student locator, flexible daily rostering, and an intuitive mobile app, it eliminates the common challenges of implementation and management. Want to see for yourself? 
Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year of use. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. You as a servant leader, you are working for your people. And that, you know, you you work with them, they don't work for you. And I think that, you know, words are, are very powerful in getting clarity. And with that, I think there's two other things I think are essential. I think it's your own personal growth. You're either going to get better or you're worse. I don't think you stay the same. And so I think effective leaders are continuing to grow. And then the third part, which I think is essential in servant leadership, is teaching people how to help them lead themselves better and so they can positively influence and be leaders of others. Dr. Chris Jones here, and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thoughtful dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better you know another part that you talked about when we so when we talk about positive reinforcement we talk about wins and losses and we talk about grades especially in school and academic settings you had talked about and this was one of a part i really liked in your book because you brought up one of my favorite all-time movies is the hoosiers or is hoosiers and you brought up the idea of dealing with difficult parents becoming one of the hardest realities when you come into a leadership position, whether it's a coach, whether it's a principal, whether it's whatever. You know, coach, it's often dealing with playing time. Principal, it's often dealing with um, unfair grades and they want different grades. (laughs) So how did you deal with that? Because you have to stick to your values and you have to protect, you have to protect the program as odd as that sounds or, you know, cliche as that sounds, where a leader needs to protect their teachers. So, you know, it's, and to me, it's all about integrity, but I'd love to hear how you deal with that. So I, I think the, the first thing that's really important is, is to be as proactive as you can, stealing uh, Stephen Covey's first habit. And that is the fact that uh, we, uh, we did gain a lot of help by uh, having a parents players meeting after, we, you know, we did it for all three. We had three uh, teams in our high school. So after all the teams were chosen, we would meet. And one of the activities that we did that I thought was extremely helpful is getting clarity with communication. So the activity we did is we had uh, all the varsity parents meet together at a table, all the varsity players, JV players at a table, JV parents, freshman players and freshman parents, and then the coaching staff. So there were seven tables. And we'd ask them, we gave them about 10 minutes to discuss it amongst themselves and come up with three expectations they had for the other two groups. So the parents would have expectations for their sons because I coach boys basketball and expectations for the coaching staff and vice versa for all the other groups. And then we would have, uh, each group would have a leader that would share what they came up with. We had a big poster and and then uh, they would share. 
And it didn't solve everything. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't like <laughs> utopia. But what it did is it really gave us clarity of what we were looking, you know, hearing from the parents, you know, what was most important in working with their sons and also hearing from the players, you know, you know, what were they expecting out of the coaches and their parents? And I think that was very helpful. The other thing I think is hugely important that I, I, I see you did a lot and I really admire for that is you need to have one-on-one meetings. You, you got to be checking in all the time. In your case, your staff, Maria, it was a lot with my players. And, and the other thing I did, you know, you have a leadership team at your school, you know, whether it's your athletic director and, and assistant principals, might be a director of guidance, whatever it happens to be. For me, my leadership team was my assistant coach and my three captains or two or three or four, whatever it happened to be. And we met every week. And it was always on a Monday, except if we played on a Monday, which would be rare. And it's funny, Chris, because most of the first half of my career, I did captain's meeting, but it was all about my agenda. The second half of my career, which was much better, was all about my questions. So I, the, you asked my players, when you come in and coach will start, first question, how's the team culture? What do we need to get better this week? How can I coach you better? Is there anyone on our team that we're not aware of it's really struggling. It, it needs some help right now. Um, those are the kind of things. And they would just, you know, so they were in the meeting. You know, they they were sharing the ideas and, and they felt like a big part. The other thing, I don't know if you do, I did it some and I wish I would have done it more and I highly recommend it with, with, is that in your case, I would suggest that you have a, your meeting with your uh, leaders, but invite a teacher or two just to get their perspective on what comes in. Because that's what I did is I started bringing in a player that was a non-captain and getting their perspective. I thought that was really powerful. And I wish I would have done more of that because then people are getting ownership. Because I know you had mentioned earlier and something I think I did much better the second half of my career is, is really trying to teach my players how to be leaders themselves. And I think that's what you're trying to do with your, you know, your teachers. It's, it, it, they lead a classroom. They're the closest to the students. You know, so it's funny because I always laugh because, you know, I'm a professional speaker now. And, uh, you know, and many of my colleagues like, how do you do that? I said, you do that every single day. (laughs) What do you mean? How do I do that? So that's funny. Yeah, no. And and I I really like that idea of bringing a teacher. And now we've had every once in a while a teacher has come in that is studying for their administrative license. So they need to do hours they want to. So I, I, you know, they kind of shadow me with different things. So. It's not like I had the foresight to say, hey, this would be really cool and help them out. But now that you mentioned that, I was writing, I started writing furiously when you said that um, about make sure I get a teacher in there. And one of the things that you said stuck out to me is, and I just called it the question agenda in my notes just to write that, but how you, you didn't really have an agenda, you just ask questions. I have an agenda when I go in, but the last item on my agenda that when somebody hasn't been in a meeting with me, it kind of takes them back a little bit is what did I miss? And so it lets people throw whatever they want on there. But I think I like the idea of, of making it more about questions and maybe, you know, cut whittling the agenda down a little more because I, I don't like meetings. Nobody likes meetings, but whittling that down so that maybe there's two fewer items and that time is filled by questions about what are they seeing and so forth. So I, I really like that. Thanks for thanks for that offer, Bert. Yeah, I'll share one other thing that we did that I think, you know, because we all know in, in any kind of leadership, the major key is building relationships. 
And so one of the things that we, you know, uh, uh, obviously we spend a lot of time with our kids, but we, and meetings, sometimes it started a meeting. Um, we didn't have team meetings almost every day, but they were usually very short. But sometimes it'd be a little longer intentionally. And, but I would start the meeting with uh, this question. If you really knew me, and we did it two different ways. So one way we would do it is in partners. So they would uh, share with each other uh, something about that they knew their partner didn't know about them. And, you know, I kid people, I'd say, you know, uh, I know this is a little graphic, but if you're an axe murderer, please don't bring that up. Okay. <laughs> uh, but anyways, you know, in, in getting and then when we did it with partners, then, you know, teach the kids to be a leader is we have the partner share about the other player, something they learned. Uh, and sometimes we do what we call a team wraparound. So we would just have each player go around so everybody could hear it publicly at that but again, anytime you can build in ways that you can build relationships and get to know your people better, uh, because, you know, like I mentioned earlier, art and science, okay? Well, there's some players, it was good for our team to call out a guy, sometimes the captain, if they didn't hustle in practice, right in front of the team. Because number one, I built a relationship with him. I knew he could take that. And you know what? He knew I was right. So, it, it, but it was a great thing because your captains most of the time were people that were very well respected by the rest of the team, okay? And and for the see that they could be, be taken, called out. And, you know, I would call them out with honesty and integrity, the fact that you never <laughs> back on defense is a thing. Um, another thing I think is really important in, in teaching people, you know, young people, I call it the double air, okay? So the double air is for... It's interesting because uh, our players all knew this because it was talked about all the time in practice. Okay, so the famous miss a wide open layup. You know, for those that are not listening that know, a layup is that short shot around the basket, okay? Now, I never in my career took a kid out for missing a wide open layup, but sometimes they did come out and, and they knew exactly why because they had to run back on defense. They moped, they, they complained, uh, and that kind of thing. And that guy came out. And it's funny because, you know, a couple of parents, hey, you're taking him out because he missed the layup. Oh, no, ask your son. <laughs> they know. <laughs> uh, that, you know, that's that's such a powerful thing. It's not the it's not the mistake, right? Because we all make mistakes. We're not we're not looking for perfection. We're looking for progress. Yeah. Um, and if we're going to continually improve, great. But that, you doing that, leans more towards mindset and how important mindset is and just being present in that ethic of, look, you made a mistake. Okay. So you, if you dwell on the mistake, you're going to make another one or you're not going to do well. You need to come out. Right. Because clearly you've already made another one. You didn't hustle back on defense to use your right. example. Right. But if you don't and you jump right back in, okay, you're, you're shedding that, you're brushing it off yep. and you're, you're doing better with it. So that's that's such a great lesson, especially for students to learn, because we often talk about in schools, you know, learn from your mistakes. You can't learn unless you make mistakes. Right. And we don't always model that as educators, as leaders. Yeah, certainly. Uh, oh, yeah, we, we all get caught in that. You know, we're, uh, oh my God, how did you make that mistake? And that's something you, you really got to be as a leader in education, both as a teacher and an administrator, is that, is that you really dive into that young person's shoes. I, we forget to do that, you know, and, and really, um, I mean, they're they're vulnerable like, you know, we are. And so that you, 
you know, but the, I think that's why it's so essential to build relationships with people so that, that, that you right. build that trust that we talked about so that, because, you know, the, the thing, Chris, that I've been bothered in, in education towards my end of my career, and, and I get it, okay, for principals like yourself, for superintendents, there's a lot of pressure on you to have students graduate and have less suspension rate, okay? I'm great with that, okay? Let, all for that. I want to see uh, students do better. I want to see them uh, function better in school. But I think that has a lot to do with the leadership building a good culture. And that, where I saw, lowering your standards. So now all of a sudden, the kid knocks out a teacher, but because you want to keep your suspension rate low, right. don't suspend yeah. them. I'm like, no, that's not yeah. it. You know, and yeah. I, that's something we, you know, there's a real fine line there is that with high, setting high standards, you, you do have to set accountability, you know, and there's consequences for poor behavior, just like there's positive reinforcement for good behavior. And so I think that's something that I have had concern with education that we not lower our standards to increase those two rates that, you know, the public sees. Boy, that is so real. That's such a real thing because the public doesn't really know a lot about education. Just like I can't walk into a doctor's office and have the doctor tell me something and say, no, actually, I think it's this. <laughs> it, it doesn't work that way. But right. for some reason, everybody went to high school and so they know how high school runs. But, um, you know, when you, when you talk about those things, especially the consequence piece, I, I tell people, because you said a bad word there, you said accountability. So people don't like to hear that word yeah, often. Absolutely. Well, they do when it's not having to do with them right, but, exactly. um, or their kids. But I, you know, when I talk to people, I talk about consequences and I say, look, every single action we do has a consequence. Excellent. Every single one. So if we do good things or things that are beneficial to us, they have good consequences. If we do things that aren't beneficial or are detrimental to ourselves or others, they have bad consequences. And that coupled with the idea that discipline is not something that we do to people, we do it for people. Excellent. Yeah. Because we've, we've mislabeled the idea of discipline. When, yeah. we, when we talk about disciplining somebody and turn it into a verb, right. it's an action that we're doing to somebody instead of realizing that the only way we're successful in life is through discipline. Yeah. And that, that helps us achieve our goals. That helps us be accountable for what we need to do for whether it's now, I mean, you're talking about whether it's the students in front of you in a classroom, whether it's the teachers in your building, whether it's the players on the court, whether it's your family. Yeah. If you're going to support your family or do right by your family, you need to be accountable and you need discipline to make that. I, you know, I'll say two words that I used to say to my players all the time and my students, life accumulates. Okay. And what your choices are either going to lead you in the right direction or they're going to lead you down a bad path. Uh, and, and so your daily habits that turn into your daily decisions are, are going to either enhance what your life looks like or are going to really uh, send it in the wrong direction. So um, I, that's something I, I, I'm so believe in that, uh, you know, is it, it just it's the reality of life. I, that's fantastic. Do you mind if I edge borrow or steal that as a better term? Absolutely. For Absolutely. <laughs> life accumulates. You, you, you uh, willing, because you know what, Chris? I, I'm a great thief of ideas. I have an idea journal and I write down ideas and uh, I try to give credit when I can. But uh, I, uh, I, you know, I think that's one of the things as an educator is, that, you know, I, I really push people. I do another talk on the 10 questions all leaders should be able to answer. It's all about personal leadership. 
And one of the yeah. questions, I, do you have an intentional growth plan? Uh, you know, are you trying to get a little bit better? Because I do. I, I feed my mind on average 75 minutes every single day. And so, yeah. you know, those are things that, um, because if I get a little bit better, is the famous adage, when the leader gets better, everybody wins. And so that's what I try to do is I try to get a little bit better. So now I can share my knowledge, knowledge and, and, and listen and help people get better themselves. Um, you know, cause it, that when you're, you have that servant heart that you want to see uh, your people do well. Uh, and then, you know what, I, I know that's hard sometimes, but you know, my greatest things right now in my life are seeing my family, the former players, my former assistant coaches that have had success and like, wow, that's really good stuff, you know, and, and be happy for them. Not, not jealous because, you know, uh, in fact, I'll tell you one little quick story. When I was a head coach in a, this small school, so, and this is when I started to get into my own personal growth. So it was a league and this one guy dominated the league. They won the league every single year. And, for, you know, when I went to the first coaching meet, everybody in the, of the coaches was jealous of him. They, you know, he cheated. He did, I, I have no idea. I befriended the guy. I'm like, this guy knows what he's doing. And we became good friends and he helped me immensely, you know, because everybody else, he was like the enemy to everybody else. I'm like, hey, this guy's got to figure it out. I got to find out what he's doing, you know, so. Yeah. No, it's, hey, you learn from other people, right? And it's totally. yeah. it's interesting because I just, and now this is a perfect example. I just spoke to, uh, we recorded an episode for this show a couple of days ago, um, Vicki Wilson, and, and she has a book out about instructional rounds, and she she talks about the usefulness of instructional rounds. Now, we love our terms, we love our fads in education where we name all these things. So, you know, if if you get past the name piece of it, it's where teachers go in and notice or or observe another teacher teaching in their room. And then they go out and they discuss it and they have a reflective discussion about it. And they do a couple of things and then you have all these different these different um, strategies and lessons that you see. The way she did it in her school, and she was in a very cultural, tough position. She did it in her school where her main rule was positivity. You had to be positive about it. You couldn't just be negative about something you saw in a classroom. So she'd, she'd do these rounds and go in with her team for, for 10 minutes, observe, come out, debrief for five minutes. And then she shared the findings with the staff. Well, if we could do that at every school, you're sharing, uh, and I can't stand the word best practices, but that's a whole nother podcast episode. Right. We're sharing wise practices. Yeah. That's how we learn because we can't come up with every idea or know every single piece. And right. as a matter of fact, some of the best professional, not some of the best professional development we did is I ran an in-house conference with my teachers they gave to me proposals for sessions they wanted to run, like much like a conference you go to. Right. And then I put all the proposals out and staff voted where they wanted to go by their feet that day. I scheduled them like a regular conference. Yeah. And they got to go see everything from discussions about homework to the importance of movement put on by the PE teachers to where they changed their practices in their classrooms. Yeah, that's awesome. Because sometimes that's all you need is that spark to see a difference. So the idea of not, you know, being on board or rooting for somebody that's having success, uh, I, I don't understand it. That's a that's a quick way to the bottom. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, just to argue on one thing, because uh, I did read that in your book, and I, I smiled and I read it. I was like, wow, you know, this guy understands, you know, how important the teachers have an input, you know, and what they need. 
is that because I saw a lot in, you know, I, I was in education for 35 years. I saw a lot of silos, you know, where, you know, you were in your own classroom and really no one else, right. what was going on. And to me, you need collaboration. You know, that, that's got to be, you know, not just, any, you know, the science department, the science department, you know, we can learn from each other. And what you did, I think, is just amazing is that, um, you know, and I think we hurt ourselves as educators when we uh, become silos instead of, hey, we're an open book. I, I want to learn just like you do, um, you know. And I think sometimes we, uh, and, and that's a great way to get a, a veteran teacher back, in, you know, involved is, hey, Jim, you know, what's going on? Uh, you know, can you help us out? You know, you've been running classes and and, and then also then they're going to be open to, hey, what's Susie over doing in the math department? Right. Right, you know, and so uh, uh, and that, that's good stuff. Well, isolation's a choice, right? Yes. We talk about the loneliness of jobs, but it's a choice. Yeah, yeah. I, I heard a statement from Brian Tracy that I thought was really powerful. They, they said uh, the leadership is lonely at the top. And he said, if, if, it, if that's the way you believe, then you're not, not a good leader. I thought, that's pretty powerful. That is pretty powerful when you think about it. Supporting your teachers and students seems to be a struggle. They just don't seem to be engaged. You wish they would take more responsibility for their learning and culture of the building, but they just don't seem to be empowered enough to do it. So my question is, have you checked out the book Seeing to Lead yet? It's all about creating a true educational experience where learning, growth, leadership, and community take center stage. Full of strategies and resources, Seeing to Lead is about attaining that goal by employing a model that supports, engages, and empowers all individuals to become leaders themselves. Pick up a copy today at seeingtolead.com. That's S-E-E-I-N-G-T-O-L-E-A-D.com. Remember, you don't become a leader and then decide you need to support and recognize others more than yourself. It is the moment you realize it's about supporting and recognizing others that you become a leader. Seeingtolead.com. So, Coach, I could talk to you all day long, <laughs> but yeah, let's start to head towards wrapping this up. And I have Absolutely. I have two questions that I ask every guest that comes on the show, and I'm I'm excited about the two answers I'm going to get from you. The first one is if you weren't an educator in an education. Who, not what would you be? You know, it's a question because I was so into basketball uh, and I loved getting into leadership and building teams. So it would be probably that I would have tried to go into a higher level of basketball, you know, college coaching and professional level, um, just because I was so passionate about the game and I love building teams. You know, the high school situation was really good for me because um, I felt I could really make an impact with my coaching, you know, where I was trying to really work on teaching life lessons. So it was a very good fit for me. Um, but it's hard for me to say other things that I would have done because uh, I know it wouldn't be something like uh, um, with anything mechanical, but uh, this guy doesn't have, he just asked my wife. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but I, you know, it's funny because my wife says he can't do much at home, but he can coach basketball. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I so th that leads me to a follow up question. Yeah. So you coach at the higher level, maybe a higher level college, or maybe even in the pros, right? Do you have the same philosophy, or does it become too overwhelming because of the dollars attached and the importance of the wins and losses? 
or do you stay true to the idea that they'll come? Yeah, that's a, it's a really great question that because I didn't coach at those levels, I, I do believe the people that last a long time do have a really set uh, core values and that they really have beliefs and then, and then they strive to keep getting better. I, I think those are characteristics of no matter what level you are. And, and I think the people that do last are people, you know, the adage I love to say is when people think of a person of high integrity, do they think of you? Uh, and, and that's something. So I would have a hard time uh, with what my belief system is if, if I couldn't be the person of integrity day in and day out, you know, to coach at the Division One basketball level or in the professional level, that if I had to lose my integrity, then I know that it wouldn't be the right spot for me. So Fantastic answer. The reason I asked that is because as you look at, you know, when you look at moving up levels in athletics, I almost equated to moving up levels in the school system. Yes. So, you know, do, does it become more difficult to stay true to that when you become a superintendent? Yeah. Or, or something like that. So that's that's why I just kind of, I wanted to follow up with that. I, I say one quick thing too, Chris, is, you know, the one thing that I always thought about is um, remember where you came from, okay? Yeah. And I think, you know, it's for educators because, you know, I have some good friends that, you know, started as a teacher and a coach and then they moved to, you know, to be the athletic director and then the principal. And I have a couple that made it the superintendent. And the ones that were successful, they always remember where they came from. And they, you know, they didn't then just sit in the ivory tower and you know, like, uh, right. I'm, I'll tell you, I'll kid you one thing because I know you, this is not your, but I, I had a middle school principal and I taught in the middle school a number of years ago and he was a great guy. But you talk about managing by wandering around. I never saw the guy. He came into our office one day. It was like six months into the, and he had a question for me. I was like, Dan, I've never seen you before. <laughs> what, what are you doing there? <laughs> I mean, it's one thing to, to leave out your teachers alone, but it's another thing. <laughs> to disappear. You disappear. Yeah. That's what he, he so uh, uh, I just kid, you know, because I always think of, you know, the best leaders I had and some of the ones that weren't very strong. And, and a lot of it had to do was, you know, it, do they really know that you do you know they care? Right. Right. We, it's funny because myself, my assistant principal, my dean of students, we have a joke and uh, my admin assistant gets in on it, too, where if we go the day without seeing each other. We reintroduce ourselves. So I'll stick out my hand when I see him and I'll say, hi, I'm Chris Jones. I'm the principal here. <laughs> so just to keep each other on on track as to what we should be doing. Yeah. But Right, exactly. So, so coach, what's the most important piece of advice you would give to leaders as they work to better support, engage, and empower those they lead? So I, I think the first thing is getting clarity, which I think is the most essential part of leadership is servant leadership. And, and I, what I, I do another presentation on that. And the way I define servant leadership is kind of the traditional pyramid was the leader was on top and everybody was underneath working for the leader. And it's really flipping the pyramid. And now you as a servant leader, you are working for your people uh, in that, you know, you, you work with them. They don't work for you. And I think that, you know, words are, are very powerful in getting clarity. And, and with that, I think there's two other things I think are essential. I think it's your own personal growth that you, uh, you're either going to get better or you're worse. I don't think you stay the same. And so I think effective leaders are continuing to grow. And then the third part, which I think is essential in servant leadership, is teaching people how to help them lead themselves better. And so they can positively influence and be leaders of others. 
That's awesome. Fantastic advice. And you know, I just have to let the let the listeners know that there's more of that advice in your book, A Coach and a Miracle. You know, as I read through it, and I I told you I haven't finished it. I'm almost at the end. I'm almost there, but um, just so full of great advice and tidbits, like you said. So I have to tell all my listeners to make sure they go out and get that book, pick up a copy. And you also do speaking too. So what's the best way people can get in touch with you if they, whether they just want to get in touch with you because you're so responsive or whether they want to see about having you come speak or do some work with you? Yeah. So it's coachjimjohnson.com. That way I wouldn't forget it. Uh, And uh, (laughs) So on that, I uh, if you go to the website, you know, obviously it's got all, I have a lady that I work with named Kate. She's awesome, you know, that works with anything from people who want to bring me in to speak or do workshops. I do a lot of keynotes and workshops. And But I also, we have a lot of free stuff. I, I have a, a monthly uh, newsletter that's for free. We have a weekly blog that you can sign up. I have a, our own podcast called the Limitless Leadership Lounge. Our focus is help young and emerging leaders. Um, and I also have a YouTube channel. So I try to, you know, I share a lot of things. I do a book recommendation. In fact, this guy, Chris Jones, uh, his book <laughs> was recommended today. Uh, so uh, uh, it called COE Seeing to Lead. Well, very well done, my friend. And uh, uh, you know what? My my goal right now is I just want to uh, give back and help people. And, and so if I can help people, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, reach out to me um, on my website. In fact, I'll give you my uh, my personal email, JJ Hoops. I can get the hoops out of me at rochester.rr.com uh, and feel free. But there's all the information. Uh, there's another email on the website and a phone number that would you can reach out to myself or my manager as well. So absolutely fantastic. And I'll put all that stuff in the show notes. Thank you. Because I, I, I just think you, you could be such a help and such an add on for any leader or any organization that, you know, wants to do some extra work and, and take some steps to get better. Yeah, I've done a lot of uh, work in education. I've done a lot of opening day keynotes and, and obviously at PD days and assemblies and all that kind of stuff in the schools. And, uh, uh, you know, I just, uh, it's neat to be able to try to make an impact with uh, what you do. Perfect. Well, Coach, thank you very much for coming on. I appreciate the time you spent with me. I've I've had, I, I've learned so much in just this conversation. I had a blast talking to you. So I, I look forward to continuing to work with you and really appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much. Uh, same here, Chris. Uh, I, I look forward to growing and continuing our relationship. Uh, I, I really admire what you're doing. So... Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Hey, thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you would like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at Jones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast today, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Also, one last thing. Have you had a chance to pick up my latest five-star rated book yet? Grab your copy of Seeing to Lead anywhere you buy books or at seeingtolead.com. That's S-E-E-I-N-G-T-O-L-E-A-D.com, where you can learn more and continue to improve. 
Now go have a successful week. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com B-E.